everyone, and welcome to Another Bite, where we rewatch the most innovative and intriguing pitches from Shark Tank. I'm Jory, and I'm joined by Ariel. How's it going, everyone? And John. What's up? Time fries when you're having fun. Time passes even quicker when you're eating them. Today's product is a fun spin on a culinary favorite, all while refusing to compro-fries flavor. It's a product that will have you saying, I've got my fries on you. Do you see where I'm going with this? I'm sorry, but these puns are just so satisfying. We'll dive into it after this ad. Today in the tank, we have Buena Papa. And Buena is brought to us from James and Joanna, and they are asking for $400,000 for 7% in their business, which is an approximate $5.7 million valuation. Buena Papa, it's a fry bar, and it offers Latin-inspired meals on hand-cut French fries. So the name comes from the expression meaning good people and good potatoes. So Buena Papa is a pun, and I am very pro puns as names. But essentially, it is kind of what you're expecting at a fry bar. It's French fries with amazing toppings like poutine, but not quite like poutine. Yes, Latin poutine. El poutine. Yeah. El poutine. <laughs> so thinking about our product and our pitch and our founders, what are our thoughts of Buena Papa? I was hungry as I watched this. Oh, so yeah. this made it like 10 times worse. <laughs> French fries are so damn good. They are so <sighs> effing good, my God. And so that is a big on the plus column <laughs> just, for them. Just is they're French serving fries. French fries. Okay. Yes. Ariel, you live where they're based, right? They're in Raleigh. So they're a little bit further north. But yeah, North Carolina. Oh, okay. So you haven't been to a Buena Papa? No, I actually never heard of the brand. You're gonna need to go and report back. Yeah. I think we all want to know. How, it, this whole business just literally yeah. depends on whether the French fries are extraordinary or yeah. not. If the French fries are extraordinary, I think they'll be hugely successful. Although there is the case where it's like sometimes a bad fry is made okay by the toppings because like mm. In and Out Burger fries are trash, but because you put all the good toppings on them, everyone loves them. So I will say it's dependent on the toppings then. Yes. You know, I just think In-N-Out fries are just bad. And I think people go for the burger and then just like eat the fries because- Deal with the fries. You know. <laughs> okay, this is a tricky one to evaluate, actually. There's a lot on the plus column or the happy column for them. Number one, it's like a love story. Oh, the founders. Number two, <laughs> they've invested their life savings in this thing. Number three, it seems like they're actually going to run a pretty capital efficient business. Like they don't need a lot of room to set this up. They can do it in 200 square feet, which is like not yeah. a lot. They're doing a bilingual menu, which I think is a brilliant idea to cater to a broader group of consumers. And their growth is off the charts. Like, mm -hmm. you know, they put 18,000 in and they did 1.1 million in sales last year, trending in towards 2 year. million. Mm -hmm. So it's there's amazing. a lot of things to be happy for them. I'm just not sure I'm actually going to invest in this business. And the main reasons are just they need working capital, not investment. They need money to actually scale their operations. And they're going to need lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of it. Like every time they want to open one of these stores, they're going to need to make capital expenditures to actually buy equipment or rent equipment and get the space set up, do the marketing there. And so I'm just a little worried that this isn't a compounding business model to me where it's like, well, OK, I'm going to put this 250K in or whatever they asked for. And that money is going to get an outsized return on it. I think they're just every six months are going to say, we need another 250 or actually now we mm -hmm. need like 500. Now we need 750. And that 
initial amount of the company that I owned is just going to get diluted down Smaller. really small. And they're going to take all their proceeds and dump them into growth of the business, which is what they should do. And so I think it's just a tough spot for an investor. Mm-hmm. And I know that's probably hard for them to hear because they're like, we didn't want investors right away. What we wanted was like loans from a bank, but the bank won't give us loans. Like, so they're kind of capital constrained here. It makes me a little worried that they'll face a little bit of a crunch there and that could slow their growth down. And the return for me as an investor would take too long and not be high enough. I was expecting you to be like, well, it's just French fries and things poured on top of it. And like a lot of places can replicate that, right? So I'm surprised, John, that you didn't mention that piece. Or is that not a concern? That's a good reason not to invest. <laughs> just adding to his not Thanks, investing. Ariel. Yeah, yeah, let's put it on the no list. I think there are defensibility concerns, <laughs> definitely. I think they do have a window where they can actually establish their brand as like really well associated as this thing. It's like Chipotle. Lots of other businesses have sprung up and tried to be Chipotle. Yeah but none of them are Chipotle. Mm -hmm. And so like, if they can be the Chipotle of French fries, I think they're cooking (laughs) with peanut oil. (laughs) And I also think that being like that first to market also is really dependent on where they choose to open their franchises. But I think that if they started opening chains just indiscriminately, I think they could actually really hurt Mm. them. So I think in order to be like really successful at being first to market, they need to be really cognizant of where they're first to market. Yeah. I really wish they hadn't franchised. I wish they were just out there building it and opening their stores. Problem is, like, one of the things that people want you to do if they become your franchisee is they want you to have money to spend on growing the brand Mm -hmm. so that they get more people in the door to buy French fries. And so I'm not sure they're positioned to deliver on some of their commitments maybe to their franchisees yet. And so I kind of wish they hadn't franchised quite yet. I agree. I would have rather seen them go into like food halls or something. Mm. There's a lot of challenges there with that model. Yeah. So if you were going to build like a marketing moat around the core brand, how are you taking Buena Papa to that next level so that even for its franchisees, but especially for its prime location, they're seeing that business model scale? I would probably do an all-out assault on other restaurants' french fries and make it all about the french fries. Don't go to In-N-Out, trash. (laughs) Ignore just salad. Yeah, totally. (laughs) Literally do like side-by-side comparisons and do like blind taste tests and like do the Pepsi Mm. challenge, Mm. like do all this stuff, but with their french fries and just lean super hard into the idea that french fries are awesome and most of the french fries you get are just not that good. I was thinking something similar of like have your own fry bar Mm. or something at like events where you build your own fries and you pick what you customize on top and just have it be totally self-serve. The gluttony on the make your own Buena Papa bar. (laughs) This wouldn't work in Europe. It's not even Canada. (laughs) Yeah, right. Putting brisket, ribs, corn, putting it all on top. (laughs) Judgment free zone. The sharks were trying it and they were amazed with how good it tasted. But we saw sort of those regional differences. They had one called like the Carolina and it was like pulled pork and then whatever good. Mark was eating was like the healthy Sweet potato. They had like salmon or something. three potatoes and put salmon and pico de gallo on it. That's the healthy. Pico de gallo is the vegetable here. <laughs> Again, as Ariel said, this is America. So. I think it's bold to call any of them healthy. Yeah. I'd actually say mm. one of my biggest concerns for them is that they're kind of maybe going the wrong direction in terms of what consumers are going to look for over time. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I think increasingly, particularly Gen Z and millennials are going to be like, I can't eat three whole fried potatoes for lunch. Like that is just not what's going to get me through the day. So I'm a little worried for them in that regard. They were looking for a strategic partner, our two founders of Buena Parpa. Robert was the one that was primarily interested. Surprising. Just not someone I associate with food, but He's Canadian though. 
He likes it's poutine. It's the poutine. Oh. Is that it? We've cracked the code. You know, he comes in, he's like 400,000 for 20%. And one of the founders is like really trying to get him down and he's just not having it. And then it was Joanna who was like, what about for 19%? And so for the most random percentage, totally random. probably in Shark Tank history, Robert closed the deal for $400,000 for 19% of their business. Yeah. Basically, they're going to do $2 million in sales this year. And he got a deal to own 20% of the company at a $2 million valuation. That's like actually a pretty decent deal for him. And I think that he was just kind of like, hey, I might just get some upside this here. Works. And this works. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Plus poutine. Plus poutine. <laughs> so did a quick Google. Turns up Buena Papa actually shows up as a food stall. And right next to it is actually Cousin's Maine Lobster. So there was an adorable Shark Tank family photo. Love that. But the question is, will Buena Papa, in your opinion, be the next Cousin's Maine Lobster? Do you see that happening? No. That's tough. Right out the gate, just I don't hard. Know. That's no. a tough wow. bar to reach. Cousin's Maine Lobster started with one truck, mind you. Okay. I mean, I think that Cousin's Maine Lobster is a little bit of a lightning in a bottle. Mm, yeah. I think they just hit the market just right at a with a product that was really unique. Right place, right time. Although Buena Papa is a unique product, French fries are not unique. Lobster rolls are. And the idea that you could get a fresh lobster roll, I think, is very differentiated. Mm-hmm. I think it all comes down to whether or not they continue to see their consumers come back and word of mouth continue to grow. I also feel like health-wise, a lobster roll is probably healthier for me than, you know, three potatoes with poutine and nacho cheese. It's a good question. I don't know. Maybe. There's I a lot of know. butter. <laughs> Put a lot of butter on that There's a lot roll. of butter. There's a lot of mayonnaise. Oh, okay. I think it could be. Hmm. I think it could be as big as Cousins Maine Lobster. I think that it is just about location, location, location. Mm -hmm. I think that if they really focus on regionally where French fries are like the biggest deal and potentially get some of those drunken crowds in on it, I think they could be lightning in a bottle too. Time will tell. We'll find out. Today's episode was written and produced by the mythical Matthew Brown. Additional support comes from Melanie Romero and editing from Robert Hartwig. If you're a fan of the show, meh, even if you're not a fan of the show, tell a friend. Word of mouth is the best way to support the show. That does it for me. We'll see you next episode here in the tank for another bite.